Welcome, everyone, to this edition of Charity Stripe Commentary, part of the Hoop Social Podcast Network. I'm your host for tonight, Trey Hill, joined by not one, but two co-hosts tonight, Marcus and Caleb. So, welcome, boys. Hey, hey, what's going on? Is this what responsibility feels like, getting back to our normal schedule? Because if so, this is a good feeling. Best feeling in the world, baby. You guys are just excited to see me. Or maybe it's you guys are celebrating the downfall of the Bucks Because right before we decided we were going to tape, they fired their coach. Budenholzer is out. What are your guys' thoughts? Oh, smoking on that Mikey pack, you heard? <laughs> Honestly, um, I expected this. Somebody was going to have to take the fall for Milwaukee going out in five games to the eight seed. They really don't have a lot of roster flexibility. So the next logical decision was that the coach was going to be the person that had to fall on the sword. And I mean, like, I don't think Budenholzer was the worst coach in the world. I, I think he was really bad at making in-game adjustments. Um, he seemed very stuck in his ways whenever something was happening and he was not ever quick to react to it. So I understand the reasoning. Um, I'm really interested to see what direction Milwaukee goes next. I think they would be a fantastic Nick nurse destination and I'm wondering if that's the route they decide to go. Were you, I mean, I was surprised that he got fired now. I, I figured he would have gotten canned right after the season, but maybe that's because of everything he had personally going on. So I was a little caught off guard by this happening, but I agree. It was time for a change with him. He just consistently I know he's a process over results guy. Like you said, he's not going to change what he does because he believes in his system. But when you get to the playoffs, you can't just believe in the system when it's you're going against one team. So if they have an advantage over your system, you have to adjust your system. And that's just something he consistently <laughs> did not do. And it's cost the Bucks a handful of times. The same deficiencies in Mike Budenhoser's coaching are the same deficiencies that we were saying in 2019. So it's very... Right, like he won a title yeah. and then it was that, yeah. was, that was the Band-Aid. Yeah, you, you literally beat my point to it. Like it took, I wouldn't even say it was the title. I would say it was Giannis coming to a, a complete player, but also the renaissance of Brooke Lopez's career that really put the blinders on. Because if we're, let's keep it a buck, that twenty one, that twenty twenty one finals, they won in spite of Mike Budenholzer. And every single year in the playoffs, whenever the Bucks lose, we always say it's due to coach coaching issues. So I'm not really surprised because we've been on this train for four seasons. I'm just happy that it finally happened. But I do agree with Caleb. I think that Nick Nurse is the only logical choice for the to put in that coaching position. I mean, he's used to having stars. He's used to being on, in the playoffs. And I think that with his system, he'll be able to utilize the courts of Drew Holiday a little bit better than Mike Budenholzer. Yeah, I think he is the the natural number one option that everyone's going to go to. I don't even, in my head, I haven't even... I thought of who else could fa- be in fa- the Right, fathom, <laughs> like figured out who else I'm going to have on the short list of possible candidates because... It's such a high-profile job, and like you said, it, Nurse has that experience. So, and every uh, 
and like the uh, I thought of Quentin Snyder being there, but compared to the turnaround that he did into Atlanta, there's no way they're really gonna let him go. I think he might have resigned. I'm not too sure about that. Oh yeah, he but, yeah he's locked up in Atlanta. Yeah 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 yeah, yeah. They, they they definitely resigned him. But you need someone who knows what they're. You need a no nonsense coach in there. You need someone who's gonna be able to go in there and who's able to make adjustments. And that's all Mikey B's. I mean, that was his glaring weakness, but that's a pretty big glaring weakness to have. If, if you're going to be uh, consistent play consistently in the playoff titles or the title uh, contention. So what you're saying is they need to look from on your Miami heat bench and see who Spo looks to, because there's no one better in the game than what Spo does. And if you can't get Spo, maybe you can get the next best thing beside him. What do you want? You're not getting Chris Anderson. You're not, you're not getting, Oh, I forget his last name. Anderson. You're not getting, you're not getting, you're not getting our white guy. You're not getting our white guy. Stop it. But all right, but oh, go um, ahead. But, sorry, but um, it's so funny though because uh, I have like one of my best friends is a casual, and we're talking about Spo, and they're like, "Who's more self-made in coaching than Spo in this era?" Started as a video assistant in the, I think it was like ninety-five or ninety-eight, became assistant coach, and since there has been with the team since then. Like, if you want, I think it's very fair. We brought it up in our group chat that the last that the 19, 20, and 21 coaches who won titles have all gotten fired. And thankfully, that hasn't happened with my team because if that was the case, Eric Spolster would have been on like, what, eight, nine seasons ago? But because of that, you're able to instill a culture and you're able to install a process that works. And I think the, when it comes to coaching, that everyone thinks that, oh, if you have star players, anyone can just go through their corral them and get them to work together. And I think that's, completely skewed and completely unfair to the coaches you're just spoiled because you have spo is what it is okay that's fair that, i mean that uh, is fair and speaking of spo like he's the one who put out the bucks miami heat are the ones who who took out the the title contending team that forced them to fire their coach so marcus what is up with this heat team it's just the same thing that we always do. Like we always win team, we always beat teams we're not supposed to beat, and we always lose against teams that we're supposed to win. It's just the Miami way, but it's just a thing of that where I don't know. It's just a development. It's due to the G League. It's due to finding diamonds in the rough, and it's due to I actual coaching gain the most out of your lesser known quantities. You're only as good as your uh as your foundation. So if you're able to get these. I don't want to say rejects, but all these undrafted or unwanted assets in terms of viable surface things that know how to play complementary basketball. It's a key for uh, to success, ladies and gentlemen. This is a team. This is a team sport. I feel like they use the regular season to to sharpen everyone else, except like Jimmy Butler, and they they get everyone else ready to go, confident in their shot, confident in what they're supposed to do. But it starts- the playoffs roll. Oh, but when then when the playoffs roll around, Jimmy takes over. But yeah. when he when he does pass, they're ready to knock down the open shots. Uh, like they shot thirty four percent from three, twenty seventh in the league. But in the playoffs, they're shooting forty one percent, second best in the league. Right. right, like they're they're knocking down their shots. They're also sharing the ball a lot better than they did in the uh, regular season, getting assists. So I feel like correlation between that and Tyler Hero being injured (laughs) well if anyone would like to slander tyler hero caleb the floor is yours 
you know, I'm not even going to use this as a window to slander Tyler Hero, even though because sometimes it's just too easy. No, like I, I really think that this series with the, the Knicks is just showing how I, I really think Spo is the best coach in the NBA, and I'm not sure right now that it's close. It doesn't matter the talent he has. He always finds a way to get the most out of it, regardless of the situation, regardless of like I, I said not... in the group. I, I said Sorry, in the no. group chat a few months ago, I was like, you know, if you gave Spo a team of G leaguers, he'd take Boston to six games. Like he just finds a way to get shit done. Like he really does. Like it's we essentially have. We essentially yeah. have. We we've had what maybe one and a half to two stars, and the rest of just. I, I, as Shaq would say, nobodies. And you're like, who are they? I'm, I mean, they're, they're, talent, they're talented players, just like Austin Reeves on the Lakers, how he, he, didn't, he didn't get drafted because he knew he was going to go play in L.A. I feel like the Heat, they get the best of the best fringe players because of where they're at. We're paying Gabe. Our starting Gabe Vincent is only making two million dollars, making three million dollars over the next two years. <laughs> I guess that's how you afford to pay Tyler Hero. That is exactly how we have paid for it, and Duncan Robinson. To go from but one to my last pick, back off the Heat, what I will say, and don't get me wrong, but like I have a love, I love my team. They might frustrate me, but what I will say is another thing that I think separates them from every other team is that from. Summer camp, when summer camp starts, it is literally balls to the wall. There is no running it back. There are no easy days. There is no thing as if you conditioning is everything. My that's one thing I know for a fact that just the training staff prides himself on is that no matter what happens, you're gonna be able to play. If you got to play 48 minutes, you're gonna be able to play 48 minutes. And I think there is something to be said about having your players always. You know, stay ready so you never got to get ready. The playoffs is all about being juiced up and making sure that everything is uh, to be adjustable and then make sure that you're given 110%. So he really maybe, are just the new Spurs. Long live the Enjoy that. All right. The, so the, the first thing Marcus wanted to talk about when he wanted to pod was Draymond Green. Just everything going on with him, you know, him getting suspended in the Sacramento series, rallying the team, embracing the role, saying, you know, he's not going to change. We all love Draymond Green here. So, Marcus, what is it about Draymond um, right now that you wanted to talk about? Because I didn't ask anything else. I, I just I kind of wanted no, to be surprised. I, I, it was more just of a deep dive because I know that we all we all think very highly of him. It's just he's everything that Dylan Brooks wanted to be, if you really want to think about it. Like, he wants to be, you want, Draymond is definitely a heel. Draymond is not, like, a fun, like, I'm not saying he's not a good guy, but in the basketball sense, he's, he's, like, the best enforcer that you can have because at the end of the day, you know what you're getting, your teammates know what you're getting, and even when he shows an ass and he shows himself, he at least has enough decorum to put foot, to be like, yeah, that wasn't the way I needed to do it, but also that his teammates have his back and that they ride and they die together. And to have that leadership and have that glue from someone who isn't primarily the star on the team is integral. Because when your star is having a bad time, you still have your glue guy there to rally up the troops. I Just from seeing it from his series and just hearing his podcast and just the intricacies and just the way that his mind works, he's just so compelling. Do you think he plays the same role as Butler does in terms of leadership? 
Yeah. I would say in terms of leadership, because in my view, you can't tell me that Draymond's not the leader of that team. Like, he's not the heart of the Warriors team. I agree. Like, also, like, the when you said that um, you asked if Draymond reminds you of Butler, I agree with it from the sense also that, like, in the middle of a game, like, he feels out what the team needs from him at any given point. Like, if Draymond thinks that Golden State needs them to be, like, super aggressive at that point, that's what he does. If he feels like this is a point where he needs to get a certain person involved, that's what he does. And Jimmy Butler does the same thing in Miami right. games. Like, there are points in Miami games where Butler may not be super focused on scoring, but, like, you can see him reading the game and doing what's needed for his team at that point in time. Right. I think or that's a great comparison. Right. Or the screams that you see that he's sitting, or the way that he's actually out there directing players, directing through traffic, or the way that if he needs to, he all and always, but if this, but if there is a drought and they need a quick bucket, and if he's able to do it, he'll be able to do, he'll try to be the jump start. Not saying he should be the jump start of the offense, but he is able to feel, he's the emotion of the team. He's able to see what they're lacking in and be able to adjust. And even, and I, I think number, even after Jordan Poole took that dumbass shot, he was like, I got no problem with it. He's like, I have no issue with it whatsoever. And see, hearing that from the most outspoken. I mean, he, person, he's done pool. He's done pool bad enough this season. I, yeah. <laughs> so even with their history, but to be, but that's what leadership is all about. It's even, even when something you don't agree with, you're able to be like, this is fine with me. We'll handle that shit internally. Right. You're able to separate between personal shit and business shit at that point in time. You're able to put, you're able to com compartmentalize what your goal is at that point in time very well. And honestly, the, this is what the Bulls were lacking, I, I think, a lot. Uh, and we, Patrick Beverly is the super poor man's version of asshole on the court, but he's your asshole. And, mm -hmm. you know, the one I wanted to refer to was Joaquin Noah, but like we have Patrick Beverly, I guess, now, but that role is really important to have on your team because if you don't have someone to fire guys up when the chips are down and momentum isn't swinging your way, it's it's so easy to let a 6-0 run fade into an 18-3 run. Absolutely. I have a question for you. At this day and age, how many wins would you say that Draymond accounts for for the Warriors? Because I know it's not going to show in like the box score of his impact, but... I mean, those numbers aren't super high. Steph Curry probably accounts for like, I don't know, twelve wins. So Draymond's probably at like five or six. That's still that, that's still considerable. Five or six, five or six wins in this in this season would have literally made the difference between you being a two seed and out of the playoffs, like out of playing. Yeah, but, he's definitely but, super impactful. Yeah, no, because it's just like Draymond is the type of player where if they don't have him, they definitely don't beat the Kings. They definitely don't beat Sacramento. I don't know. Did you see what Looney was doing when he was out there? They fucking Moses Maloney. Oh, Moses Maloney. Oh, Moses I like that. Maloney. The warm. Uh, but no, no, Draymond definitely is. He helps pump. He helps <laughs> that team just go. And no, Draymond, like he definitely is. Like he's the guy that makes that team go and Orange is kind of the attitude. I feel like every team needs that. Who is that on the Suns? Ooh. Damn. I mean, you only got like four NBA players on that team anyway, so pick one of those four. Hmm. Damn. It almost, 
it almost have to be like like, like Chris, like Chris Paul, maybe Paul, maybe Paul Chris but, he, but he's but he's he he's not a like he's not an, an intimidating rallying guy like he's just that annoying he, little asshole. Yeah, he's just a pesky little fuck. Like he's not like it's not like he's not intimidating anyone. He's just gonna piss people off and annoy the shit out of them. Like yeah, Phoenix doesn't have that person. They really don't. Uh, I've never met a team just full of such like nice guys. Can I introduce you to Chicago before Patrick Beverly? But yeah, and so when when I made the list of things like to talk about the Suns, what do they need? And I, I didn't even think about that until we just talked about it beforehand. But I'm thinking they need someone who can attack the rim, you know, or even shoot threes to kind of just have other guys out there to keep the spacing. But I think they really need a rim, like someone who will attack the rim because they don't have anyone who attacks the rim. And this part of that, I think comes with having an attitude comes with wanting to intimidate you. You need guys who are willing to go, to go bang down low and to just when the shots aren't falling, do what Jason Tatum did and drive relentlessly over and over. So we need a player who, who is thinks they're better than they actually are essentially. Bones Highland. Huh? Bones Highland. I was thinking Jordan Clarkson, but I like that. I like Clarkson. Just one of those irrational confidence uh, six men who will just go out there and... Jordan Clarkson. Because yeah, at first I was thinking that if they could get like an actual... I was telling you like something about like if there was a way that they could get Cat, but that, again, doesn't address the problem that the, what this team lacks is depth. Like severe depth, so we need to be able to take an asset and be able to turn into something that they can get a lot more out of. And but it's super and this hard. new CBA is going to be way more limiting than even the the one we're used to. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you're looking at the trade. What it's looking like, DeAndre Ayton for cents on the dollar to get anything back for you to stay competitive. Because if you get another star, another player with gravitas, you're back in the same position that you've been in the last two or three seasons? My pick w- would be uh, Dinwiddie, actually. He he attacks the rim. He gets a lot of he gets a lot of his baskets unassisted at the rim. He goes at the rim more than most guards, and he's a 40% three-point shooter. So if I'm the Suns, I'd be looking at somebody like that. You mentioned Aiton and maybe trading him for cents on the dollar. I have my Aiton trade in my back pocket. Do you guys have any anything that they should look maybe shop Aiton for? Maybe one of the twin towers in Minnesota. I don't. I, I don't know. I'm just. I'm just spitballing. But I would. Ooh, I would probably shop him around Charlotte. See what you can get. I mean, they seem to have an abundance of guards who are be able to be shot creators and be able to drive. I don't know how, but. But off the, off the top of my head, I think James Booknight seems nice, but I don't know if the money works or anything else would work for that. I honestly just like sitting here, I'm thinking is like I don't I don't know what DeAndre Ayton's trade value is. Uh, yeah, that's actually a really good point. I have no idea. <laughs> like, man, James, James, like what'd you say, Trey? Sorry. I was just thinking James Booknight is that how how far has Ayton fallen if that's his trade value? But that's what just to bring up what Caleb said. We what we don't know what we're working with because right, like, I, I I just don't know. Like when I think about it, I like I don't. I'm just trying to think of a hypothetical. Even like I don't know. 
like if something's too high, too low, like I just sit there and I'm like, I have no idea how to like gauge DeAndre Ayton's value. Like I've never seen DeAndre Ayton play at his full potential. He's never well, been utilized as a Caleb, did you see um did you look and see what trade I have or is this gonna surprise you? It's gonna surprise me. I have not looked yet. I have not looked right, either. Well, well, I think I've got the trade. Um I don't want it for for the record. I do not want this to happen. Does this involve but my Boston Celtics? It does not. It involves my Chicago Bulls and DeAndre oh, Ayton getting traded for Vucevic. Vucevic, he can shoot threes. He can <laughs> he can attack the he can he can score at the rim. He can post up. He plays really good defense. He's been the Bulls were a top five defense this year. Orlando was traditionally a top ten defense. Kevin Durant is an amazing help defender. Vooch can be the anchor, and Durant can be the roamer. Um. I so, think I think he would be a great fit in Phoenix, but as a Bulls fan, I don't I don't think I want to do it. I think that's too much. Are you saying it's just straight up? Straight up too yeah, much? Yeah, I don't I don't think I want to do it. I like I love what Booch brings on the offensive end for our team because we don't have playmaking. We don't have playmakers, and his playmaking and stretching the floor from the five. That adds so much to our offense that if you take that away and everything can just sink in and collapse, like, what are we doing on offense? Um, you know, honestly, like, this this is going to sound like – I don't even know if, like, this sounds bad, but I think you're right because when I think about it, what matchup am I going to have DeAndre Ayton in and you're going to have a decided advantage at center? Like, honestly, at least with Vucevic, I can do things to make matchup problems – Unless I'm playing against a team that runs really small, DeAndre Ayton is not going to be like it's not. He's not great defensively. He's not great offensively. Like, I think I agree with your point. Like, I honestly, I, I, I think you're right. The problem, it, Trey, are you content with having Patrick Williams and DeAndre Ayton as your for, as your front court for the foreseeable future? I mean, I, as long as P. Will's around, I'm happy. I love right, baby. Let's go. I don't. I I think that the Suns need to get depth, and I think that they know that they need to get depth. And I think that just doing a lateral trade is, as I stated earlier, just keeps us in the same position where we're not really changing anything. I'm gonna do more research. All right. Well, wait, wait. But I got I got an idea. Before before Marcus, what about the Heat? No, I'm good. I got Bam. I got Bam, bro. I'm chilling. You can play him with Bam. I don't want that. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Marcus I'm is so... just like, no, I, I will I will turn this down. Can you imagine Aiden trying to do that conditioning stuff that Patrick no. Riley? No. Forces... Oh man. No, hey, no, you know what's worse than that? He's gonna be like the imagine... on the treadmill. Can you imagine DeAndre Aiden having to match up with him beating Giannis in the playoffs every year? I mean, he did well against Jokic before, you know, not this year, but before he's done well. And that yeah, was kind of what, yeah. what the hope was. If you would have asked me last year, I would have happily taken Aiden for Vooch. But after this last year, I don't I'm think so. Saying, I'm, my, right. I'm the same way. Like, my view of him has dropped a lot in the last year just because of what I've seen. Like, I agree 100%. How about this? Hear this out. DeAndre Ayton, and you can throw filler and a pick in there, right? But essentially, you get we can do Terry Rozier. We can do either because Terry Rozier makes twenty one million. 
TJ Washington makes five five point eight, so six million. So we're at twenty seven, and James Booknight makes four million. So which which puts us at? Hold on, sorry, I'm not good at math. If you can get them to do, if you can get uh, Washington Booknight, and who was the first one? Rozier, Scary Terry. If you can get all three of those for Aiden, you call that in a heartbeat. Immediately. I know. I'm saying, but you would have to, the money works. You would, Phoenix is off by like two or two and a half, like two to two and a half million. So you could. Right, they'd make it work. Huh? They could make it work. They can make the salaries work. Yeah, because to be fair, having Terry there with LaMelo is kind of redundant. He's making $21 million for three. He's making $21 million on a four year contract. PJ's on an expiring for one year and the same and James Booknight's on a three year on a three year for four million. You're getting a known quantity. Melo gets played with a high caliber player that can move the ball, a traditional center, so they can run the pick and roll. Especially especially if they lose out in the lottery and they don't get Wimby. Correctly, which I don't think is going to happen for them. They can get draft capital so they can sleep better at night, but they get a a quantity. I mean, they're not getting any draft capital because Phoenix traded all that shit away. True, <laughs> but you can throw something in there to make it to make it offer and it's analyzing. The two K special. How about some seconds? You want some second round picks, baby? I have I have eight second round picks for you, sir. <laughs> but I think that puts both teams in a position where they want to be, where they're a little bit more closer to their goals and what they're trying to get done. I don't know, just a thought. I like that actually. I did not like it when you started, but you talked me into it. Yeah, but I'm not a GM. No one's that smart. No, they're not smart enough to make that deal. But again, every team gets what they want. You get a known, you get a known front court person who's definitely an all star in the East for Charlotte, and Phoenix gets depth, passing, and spacing from the and gets spacing from um their four position in PJ Washington, who I would expect them to re-sign because they did get rid of Cam Johnson. I mean, he signed the offer sheet in Indiana. What about him for Turner? Yeah, Turner works too. I mean, the the point is there are options out there yeah. for Aiden yeah, if if things continue to look for the Suns how they do now. And as someone who picked the Nuggets to win the title. Um, I'm glad that it looks that way. And poor Chris Paul suffering his yearly playoff injury. His report came you know, in, he's going to miss game three. So He's going to miss. Well, thoughts and prayers. He's addicted to the finals. So this is another year that he satiates his addiction. I'm proud of him. Well, on that note, um, Marcus, where can the people find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram or on Twitter at No Chill Will. And uh, yeah. Caleb, you got anything to plug? Uh, not really. You can follow me on Facebook. I'd be fun. I'd be sharing funny shit. And fuck Philly. That's all I got. Go get a CSC t-shirt or hoodie from the Hoop Social store. You can do that on just Google Hoop Social store. That's my plug for the day. So that's all I've got. Thanks for listening to this edition of Charity Stripe Commentary. Have a good one. <laughs>